The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. So, good morning to you once again, Trinidad and Tobago. And in this session of Human Impact, we're talking the breakdown of family structure and the effect on students. And in studio with me, I have Miss Marsha Huggins, second VP to tutor. And uh, her bio goes like this. Marsha Huggins is an educator with almost 22 years of experience. She began her teaching career at... Uh, she began her teaching career at the now-established Corinth Sixth Form College in 2001. Her last teaching appointment was at the Marabella South Secondary School, where she functioned as an English teacher and acting dean. She has also worked at the tertiary level at both the UE Open Campus and the Cipriani College of Labor and Cooperative Studies since 2006. And at UE Open Campus, she tutored students who were enrolled in the certificate program in early childhood care and education from 2006 to 2016. She has been part of the adjunct faculty of the Cipriani College of Labor and Cooperative Studies since 2011. And she believes in the holistic development of children as shown by her involvement in the Heroes Foundation through their outreach to schools through their youth development program. So I'd like to welcome you to our show here today, Ms. Huggins. And I would also like to uh, introduce via our Zoom link, we have Ms. Dawn Marie Petgrave. She's an associate counseling psychologist and is a member of the Jamaican Psychology Society. Uh, she's a talented entrepreneur, life coach, and educator, and an accomplished creative makeup artist and beauty advisor since 1998, with the experience in all aspects of makeup inclusive of fashion, video, and print. Her training and education and professional experience combined with her winning personality exposes clients a dependable, detail-oriented, and multi-talented professional who enhances the success of all her projects. And finally, I'd like to also introduce Ms. Michelle Boxill-Dunkley, a native of Trinidad and Tobago who resides in Jamaica with her husband of 31 years, and they have two adult children. Mrs. Boxill Dunkley is a counseling psychologist who works in Jamaica and the Jamaican school system as a guidance counselor. And she has a passion for young people, as is evident in her involvement with them at school, in her foot football club, or in her church ministry. Mrs. Dunkley dubs herself a pink warrior as she is a two-time, two-year breast cancer survivor, a fact which she credits to her firm faith in God as she holds onto his promise that his plans are for her own good. And that's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. So I'd like to welcome you ladies to the program. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having Good me morning. on the program. Thank you. Good morning. So... I wanted to give a small preface as to why we're here um, with the the conversation. Uh, recently in Trinidad, there was a situation with a young girl who was videotaped being very disrespectful to her uh, teacher. And from that interaction, um, there was a huge outcry as to her, you know, the behavior. And inevitably, she was expelled from school. 
So we are looking at the trend towards young people lashing out and expressing themselves in this negative way. And I wanted to start with first discussing what are the challenges that teachers face as a result of the breakdown in the relationships of family at home. So let's start with you, Ms. Huggins. Hmm. Where, where do we begin? Um, the, the concept of the village raising the child is, is still a very relevant one. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it has changed in terms of how we view the village or how the village functions in terms of how it helps to, to raise and shape the mentalities, the, the thinking of children. Um, and in a lot of cases, parenting, and this is not an indictment against parents in any way, um, but in, in many instances, parenting seems to be a bit problematic. We have persons who are um, who become parents who are not prepared to be parents in some instances, and uh, there is no guidance. The society doesn't really guide or help parents to manage the job of parenting. Um, the expectation is when you have a child, you are supposed to know how to how to do so. And in many cases, depending on the age at which you have that child and whatever guidance is around you, you don't have the the tools necessary to, to be a, an effective parent. parent. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that I think um, impacts on the way that children behave. But it's more than just the parenting thing, and there are a lot of other variables that impact on children's behavior in the classroom or even out of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Socialization has a big part to play with that and socialization doesn't just take place at the school. It takes place in the community and it takes place at home. And I wanted to get the perspective from you, Mrs. Dunkley, um, regionally. What are some of the challenges that you face in Jamaica? Okay, good morning again. Um, well, I think, you know, it's, it's similar. Um, I think across the board, across the Caribbean, we would find that, you know, the issues are pretty much the same. And as, you know, um, my co-guest just said, parenting, for me, that's one of the really, really big issues. And I think, you know, we have a problem now where parents do not know how to parent. You know, and we find that it's a situation, a lot of times, where the children are the ones who seem to be ruling the rules mm -hmm. you know and you know even i see that even in terms of how they, they respond you know the children respond to their parents um just a little while ago i was talking to a young man he asked me for a call because he needed to call his mother and he was you know really talking to me where i had to say hold on you know that's your mother you're speaking to so mm -hmm. you know um we have to try and I think from that point, which is going to be difficult because parenting is not something that... We seem to be losing you just... Um, could you could you repeat the last part that you were saying there because we were losing you just... Yes, I'm hearing you now. We were just losing you okay. slightly. Okay, all right. So I'm saying that parenting is not something that um, persons are formally taught, mm -hmm. you know, so... Um, parents, as you know, Ms. Hedgay said, are females um, older than their, their children, that kind of thing. So, you know, we're in a situation where we have young parents who are not able to manage. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of those times, as I said, we the, the children are the ones who are in charge. And if that is the case, then there's definitely going to be problems. 
All right. And well, one of the points that it seems to be common amongst um, the responses that you all have given so far is um, young people parenting young people, as in young parents, and, and not having the uh, tools to deal with that. Ms. Petgrave, what are, what are your um, views on that topic as well? Right, so I ditto all that my colleagues um, have said earlier, and I mean, there's no quorum about it. We do have a parenting crisis, I would say, worldwide, not just in the Caribbean. If we should look at the news and everything else that is going on across the world, um, but if I should add to some of the challenges that teachers face as a result of the breakdown, we have to look at the fact that there's such a breakdown in parenting that there's greater aggression and defiance among the students. Mm -hmm. And so many, uh, many teachers are not necessarily trained to deal with that. They're trained to deal with the academics, but they're not necessarily trained per se to deal with um, you know, aggression and, you know, the, the kind of behaviors that we're seeing taking place in our classrooms today. And so that is also going to raise the stress level of our teachers. And then if the stress levels of our teachers, um, you know, is high, then what does that mean for the impact of our training? And so it creates a ripple effect. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the uh, stress of um the, the aggression within these, these school environments where teachers are concerned because I wanted to touch briefly on the topic of bullying in schools and knowing that students do bully their teachers, vice versa, and then we also have the parent aspect of it. As a member of Tutor, have you all discussed that at all um, from that perspective? Well, it comes up in discussions all the time. It's it's bullying is a is it seems to be a part of school culture, mm -hmm. and the bullying takes place at different levels. You'll have students um, taking advantage of other students, um, older students or, or bigger students taking advantage of the little ones. Um, you will you in some cases some students are so emboldened to challenge teachers, mm -hmm. um, and that again will depend on the relationship between the, the the class teacher or the teacher on the compound and certain students. It would. It's also based on personalities. You also have instances where when discipline, when the school chooses to discipline children based on whatever actions they have taken, in some cases parents may come in and try to intimidate, intimidate yes. the staff at the school and all of that. So it, it, the discussions are there. Um, there's always the discussion at the level of tutor between tutor and schools, between tutor and the Ministry of Education with regard to how to treat with certain things. The Ministry of Education only has jurisdiction over who is in the school system. Mm -hmm. That doesn't include parents. So even if you put initiative in, in place to deal with teachers and to deal with students, you still have the, the variable of the parent who is also a stakeholder in education mm -hmm. that is not covered by the Ministry of Education mm -hmm. or, or, or the Ministry of Education can't sanction a parent. So mm -hmm. the, the approach to deal with any kind of fallout with violence and indiscipline in school has to be a multi-pronged approach that takes into consideration not just the system of education, but other stakeholders that may have jurisdiction over the other stakeholders who the ministry may not have jurisdiction over. over. And in terms of our regional partners, Mrs. Dunkley, what are some of the uh, things that Trinidad can learn in terms of dealing with that aspect from the parents coming onto the compound and, you know, um, as as was said before, the intimidation part, what were some of the things that have been put in place over there? Okay, um, 
So one of the things, and I, I, the use of, for example, cell phones, um, the situation that we have sometimes in our schools, and in, in my community, my area, um, is that an incident may happen, there may be some um, thing happening with students or even with a teacher, and a student having the phone now would want to call, mm -hmm. call for backup. And so, you know, then it shows up an uncle, you know, somebody who is very um, aggressive, very angry because, you know, they've been called. And so that's one of the things that in the past, that has caused issues. So now um, security has to now be, you know, a lot stricter. Um, parents um, are not to be allowed to just come onto the compound. You know, to see a member of staff. Mm -hmm. Because I, I would know who's coming to see me, and if they have some grievance, there would be some kind of um, screening, you know, so in terms of that. Because this of everyone is, is really important now. It's not like long ago, you know, it's just, oh, you know, the car, and you can go and see the child. It's not like that anymore, you know, and you don't know um, what is what. Mm -hmm. uh, we also, from time to time, we've had metal detectors um, because um, students will come with weapons. Mm -hmm. One interesting me, I was reading an article from the Minister of Education, Faber Williams, when she spoke, and this was actually last year, and she was going through a number of things, and she really said, in Jamaica, school violence is at epidemic level. That's, you know, that's really frightening, and this is a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea that by November 2022, she said that they would, um, hopefully, that there was a plan in place to reduce the level of violence by 50 you come, I'm you're not sure what the figures are now, but I'm sure it's not reduced. By you know, so we have to we have to take measures to you know really ensure the security, not just of the students, but of the staff, of every everyone, mm -hmm. you know, in our education. What basically? Teachers are going to be trained in self defense and say, okay, you know, again, again, there legally, you know, and the code of ethics for teachers also guides their behavior. So that's very important. And do you have a perspective, Ms. Petgrave? I, I know the connection is not as um, keen as we would like it to be, but so far, if I'm correct, you're talking about the use of cell phones in schools are a problem. Um, the, how to put it, the calling for quote-unquote backup, uh, the, the direction in, in, in which that comment leads me to think, it seems that there seems to be... Um, the influence of outside um, outside outside anger, and it was one of my questions. I wanted to ask what role does um, gang activity and or intimidation from um, recruitment? I know that that is a, a huge issue in Jamaica. Is it does it seem to be prevalent here in Trinidad? It, it, we have to remember that this school is a microcosm of society. Mm -hmm. These children are coming from communities. Um, and we would like to think that they're all coming from well-balanced communities, but the reality is in many instances, especially the at-risk schools, these children are coming from at-risk communities. Mm -hmm. So therefore, 
whatever they are bringing from home, whatever they're bringing from the community will find its way into the school. So um, it's not, it's not you know, disingenuous to say that um, gang activity or, or activity that resembles that would be prevalent in schools. And I'm not just going to single out secondary schools. You can also find it in the primary schools. And at tertiary level, if you're going well, as far? Or is it, is well, it less level, of a problem? It's a, it's, it's a little different because the persons mm-hmm. who are tertiary level, they are there for a particular purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, at the primary and secondary, that's universal education. right? So you find that all children have the, by law, have the right to be there. So when you, by the time you take the decision to go into tertiary level, that's a different thing. It may it may filter into that area, but you may not find it as a, as huge a problem there as you would find it in the primary and the secondary schools. So it's 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 safe to say that yes, um, whatever happens in the community will impact on the school. What we can also say is that school is a safe haven for for many students because they're coming from the at risk communities, and the only safe space or apparent safe space that they may have would be the school. Mm-hmm. Because that, then they don't have to worry in many cases. They don't have to worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to do for the next six hours. Um, they have company in terms of their, their, their friends and the people who they can deal with. They may have adults on the compound, teachers, guidance, guidance social worker, whoever it is that they feel comfortable, who they can trust, who they can speak to. Um, but we can't deny that the society will filter into the school. And we can't deny the role of, of social media and technology on that behavior too. Because mm-hmm. 20 years ago, what the, the, what we see with, with all the proliferation of social media and access to internet and all that didn't exist back then. But it is a part of our lives now. Yes. you know. And in some ways, the introduction of that social media and technology is a, a tool used to help teachers impart knowledge and stay connected with their students. Uh, I want to bring in Ms. Petgrave into the conversation. Uh, how do we put a handle on the use of cell phones and social media, etc., in education and um, in a way to reduce the tendency towards acting out with children? All right, thank you. And that's such a brilliant question. Um, We're not gonna get away from technology because that's where we're heading. And so one of the things that we can do is incorporate um, those things into the lessons. So for example, there was one class I was teaching on entrepreneurship and um, I recognized that it was just very difficult telling students you can't have your phones in the class. So what I did, I put the lesson on a website and then during the class, I would have them log on to the website, give them a password, and so they're able to enter all in the same classroom. But at least what that does for me is show them um, effective and positive ways of how you can use um, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, we go back to the home again and the importance of our children understanding who they are. Because though we have information at our fingertip, if little Johnny believes that he has excellence in him and he's going to do great things, irregardless of what is thrown at little Johnny, he may make different choices than somebody else who has no self-worth, no self-esteem, does not understand um, self-development and such forth. And so it really, really is a topic that it takes all of communities and i'm glad that somebody mentioned that earlier in jamaica we say it takes a community to raise a child and Mm -hmm. right now we're recognizing that our communities are so faulty so now we have faulty communities raising children so there really really is so much um 
parables to, to the questions and to what is happening. But I commend you guys for starting the discussion because that's where we have to start, creating the awareness and ensure that everybody is talking about this. Mm-hmm. You know, as it relates to the gang and the formation of gangs, um, children, everybody, I mean, Maslow's hierarchy of needs talk about the need to belong. So if children are being told they're worthless and they're this and they're that, now they are going to be drawn to anything that is going to give them a sense of purpose, anything that's going to make them feel loved or feel safe. Another term we use in Jamaica is that the gangs will provide a forward for you. Mm-hmm. And so they're going they're going to feel a sense of protection within the gangs. And that's why we see such a rise in gangs happening, because what is the gang doing for them? It is providing, quote unquote, a safe space and a, and a space where they feel like they are purpose. Now, mm-hmm. how can we take away those elements from the gang? How can we as educators, as psychologists, as parents, how can we teach our children what a safe space is and to let them know that we can be safe for them? How can we teach them that there's self-worth within them, irregardless of what the extrinsic motivations are in society? Well, this brings me to my next question, because we, we are looking for solutions to solve that problem. And I would like to know, uh, Ms. Huggins, what are some of the resources that are available to students, parents and teachers uh, to alleviate some of these problems? Because I, I don't only want to focus on the students, I want to focus on the parents, because like you say, it's a microcosm of uh, what's happening at home that is displayed in school. And they would need the encouragement and resources just as much as the student. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, so so let me first start by saying hurting people hurt people. So if we have adult parents who have not dealt with childhood traumas, you're going to find that um, being triggered into your children also. And so there are several resources that are out there. I'm not sure what you have in Trinidad, but right now we have uh, we have PAHO, we have the World Health Organization, we have UNICEF. All these places have excellent information on parenting and they are free. You know, um, I recently came across um, a book, um, as a matter of fact, it's written by one of my friends and it's directing your arrows. And this is a strategic approach to parenting Mm -hmm. because as educators and psychologists, we are recognized that a lot of the problems that we're facing in society begins at the home. And so if we can get parents to understand that we have to become intentional about raising our children because times are different. Mm-hmm. Times are different. And so we have to become more intentional about raising our children, looking at their future. Recently, I, I, I was speaking on a panel and, and someone asked me, um, what advice would I have to give to a single mother raising raising a son? And, you know, I, I told her that you can't look at the fact that you're just raising a son, but you're also raising somebody's husband. Mm-hmm. You're raising a, society, a, a citizen of society. So what does that look like? Because when you understand those things, a lot of the things that you do are going to change, mm-hmm. you know? And so as parents, if we lack the information, become intentional to find the information, mm-hmm. you know, draw close to communities because there is no, um, and somebody said this earlier, we didn't get a manual with parenting. Mm-hmm. We didn't, right? And so if if I fail at something and I recognize that my neighbor is doing good at this, then guess what? Become intentional with asking for help. 
And I wanted to pose the same question to, me, to you, Ms. Huggins. In Trinidad and Tobago, what are some of the resources that are available? Well, you do have um, some of the same things that were mentioned earlier by the last speaker. Um, you also would have um, some non-governmental organizations, church groups, faith-based organizations that do um, provide support to parents, mm -hmm. counseling, guiding, guidance to parents as to how they can manage that. Whether or not that has been widely advertised is a, is a different thing. But as, as the young lady said a little earlier, being intentional is what will lead you to getting the results that you want. In many cases, we, ha we, we have people sorry to say, making children and they're not intentional with it. Mm -hmm. And even when the children come, they're not intentional with regard to how these children reach to the stage that they reach. So if we refer back to what would have happened a couple of weeks ago with the young lady in the classroom, that didn't happen just like that. It didn't happen. It wasn't a spur of the moment thing. It wasn't a one-off situation. Mm -hmm. It had to build to get to that point. What was done, what interventions were done to ensure that the young lady didn't get to that to point? That point. Mm -hmm. So if it is nothing was done, whether it was at, I'm not talking about at the school alone, wherever, whether it's at the home, at the school, within the wider community, then what is stopping that young lady from displaying that behavior again? Mm -hmm. Even though she was a no, it's unfortunate. I mean, an example had to be made. She was expelled from school. But what is put in place for her now that she's outside. And that was one of my questions I you wanted know, so to that pose is as well. As much as we we understand and we agree that, you know, that type of behavior should not be tolerated within the school system because it will send a message to other students that it is okay to do the same. Mm -hmm. However, there must be some kind of systems in place. And as far as I am aware, um, I can be corrected, but as far as I'm aware, there isn't anything that will catch students like those. Mm -hmm. So what we are doing is we're putting these young people out into society with the same deviant behavior. There's no restoration. There's no reformation. And the issues that plague our society with regard to how we treat with um, violence, discipline, lawlessness, and all of these things continue going down the road because we didn't address that where we should have addressed it. Mm -hmm. And according to our Trinidad and Tobago Guardian, uh, the Minister of National Security, Minister Fitzgerald Hines, has said that um, she still has options to succeed after this whole debacle and stating that it's now time for her to uh, take a look within and to make something of herself and be ambitious. He noted that all programs which have been created by the government to help youths, especially those who have fallen through the cracks, have in some way impacted families and communities. He has suggested that the intervention of the military-led academic training program, MILAT, um, he was listening to a young lady who's giving her experience with that program, says that it changed her life and, and put her on the right path. And also in this conversation, the Minister of Education for Trinidad and Tobago also suggested, Ms. Gatsby Dolly, she suggested um, mandatory service, which is a different topic altogether. But I wanted to get a view from all of you. What, how do you see mandatory service working with young people? I, I think, um, I think it's, it's critical. I honestly think it's critical. You look at students who are involved in particular types of community activity, mm -hmm. whether it were, in my case, at the school that I was last at, it was the Heroes Foundation, where they taught children how to be community-minded. So they will go, they will take the children into projects, beach cleans, cleanups, mm -hmm. visiting um, orphanages, doing things to enhance the community around them. Um, the children who are involved in things like Girl Guides, Scouts, um, Brownies, mm -hmm. Cadets, 
all of these things teach children civic mindedness and understanding that they're not alone in the space that they're in, but they are they are intended to, as they grow and mature, to contribute to the society around them. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are different ways of doing that. I called a few, but there are other ways of doing that too. You can get children involved in the arts. You can get them involved in music. You can get them involved in all kinds of different things that will help them to understand that I am not just alone in this space. I am learning about myself, but while I learn about myself, I must be conscious and, and mindful of the people Others. who are around me. Mm-hmm. Um, if that, if a child grows into a society without any of those things, that self-centeredness and that sense of, you know, not understanding where they belong and not knowing themselves is also what contributes to the craziness that we see out there. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 is a, it, it takes children learning um, civicness, civic mindedness or civics from young and I'm not talking about civics in the, in the academic sense but in the social sense um, children understanding that and learning how to operate within that context teaches them that level of responsibility and understanding how to harness that responsibility towards others mm-hmm. a lot of these children who are given that kind of trouble in, in many instances, when you look in the, t- the background, they're not involved in any of those kinds of things. So they don't learn or they're not, they're not learning they're not exposed that. To they're not exposed to it. Mm-hmm. So th- therein lies the problem. Um, Mrs. Boxel dunkley what's your take on it? Right. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Alright. So, you know, that's exactly what I was um, thinking, that a lot of this, the children, especially those I interact with, they're not exposed a lot of things and i don't know i think we take a lot of things for granted mm-hmm. you know and we we don't realize that a lot of our children you know they a lot of them don't even leave their communities you know Very um true. it's sad to say and so and a lot of times because they you know that they don't want to but because of what may be happening in their community they, they don't cross a certain line you don't things like that and so when you expose them they see a whole different side of things and one of the ways, you know, um, we a group we have a specific group at school, and we take the children to one of the children's home to like mm-hmm. Christmas time, and they would, you know, go and take gifts and so on. And that, to me, has really done a lot for some of them because their situation, they believe, is really bad. And and it's it's true, you know, some of their situations are bad. But when they see, you know, the children in the homes, and they they understand that you know as bad as their situation is at least they are in you know home where they may be a parent or guardian maybe two mm-hmm. you know mother and father maybe just one maybe a, a grandparent also and that you know they have a roof over their head they have you know they can eat when they want you know they're not governed by the rules and so that are in the home and you know different things the challenges that come with being in in the home because you know i tell students all the time a lot of them say you know they want to go there I say to them, you really don't want to go there. Mm. As bad as your situation is, and so let's work through. But, you know, really, I think having them do things where they can see, as, you know, our speaker before said, they're not in a vacuum by themselves, you know, and getting them to to show, to see that they can be a part of society, they can be useful. Because we talked about that. A lot of them are put down daily, you know, and so they think that they have no use you know and mm-hmm. so whatever they do and whatever happens happens and for a lot of the young men if they pass 22 you know they've lived a long life and that's something that we have to really look at and see how we can really you know change the culture in the jamaican setting for me it's to change that whole culture you know um, it's, it's going to take a lot 
mm-hmm. you know, but I think at the, the, the school level, in, in partnership with all the stakeholders, you know, because all the stakeholders are so important. We talk about the home, the church, school, government, community, you know, each part, you know, each, each thing ha- has a part to play. Mm-hmm. And I think if we work together, you know, we can really um, change a lot of situations. And it's not a Jamaican thing, it's not a Trinidad thing, but we see it's a Caribbean issue. Mm-hmm. And we'll be dealt with. Uh, just to briefly expand on that point, I wanted to get a brief idea as to how important social work and social workers are uh, needed for these issues to be resolved. Uh, Ms. Petgrave, you can jump in here. How important is it? Thank you. Um, extremely important. And if I may add, forensic psychologists also, because that's my other area of study. Um, and I'm listening to all of the responses, and they are they are brilliant. Um, you know, unfortunately, civic mindedness is not necessarily going to solve um, mental disorders or issues that may be going on in our children. So most of the time. Um, childhood traumas are not picked up early, but we start see during the adolescent age. If you look at all of the violence that is happening within our children, you, you see that it's starting from about age 13, thereabout when they hit adolescent. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give you an example. So for example, um, you may have a young lady, and I'll use a real case, okay? Mm-hmm. There is a young lady that I'm working with mother is in another country father is dead she is left with grandparent and uncle uncle has been molesting sexually now she has not spoken about it publicly but it is showing up in her behaviors at school so the school is now labeling her as the little bad girl all right Mm -hmm. and now the teachers don't want to be bothered with her and so we we are not picking up the signs to say, what if something else is going on with these children? The the brain is not fully developed until age 25. And so for young children, they may not have the articulation to really share and express what is going on with them while some of them are being threatened and so they don't talk. It shows in their behaviors. And so it is so important that we are now using up the social workers, the psychologists, the forensic psychologists. Um, you have two kinds of social workers. You have community social workers. You have clinical social workers. So for the community social workers, they can get into communities and do trainings, um, do roadmaps. Roadmap is collecting data within a community. You're looking at statistics. You're looking at crime. You're looking at death. You're looking at all these things. There are some communities that every day somebody is buried and children have to deal with this and never being told that they need to grieve, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have clinical um, uh, social workers who can deal more on the the mental health side and to get them the necessary um, help that they need. But we have to get to the place where we so quickly stop seeing them as deviant and what, what could possibly be causing this child to be so deviant. So even with the young lady in Trinidad, I I went and I was looking it up because I was not aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, What could possibly cause her to think she has the right to speak to a teacher that way? 
think about that. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is somebody that I would love to do assessment with because I can guarantee you none of that has anything to do with the teacher. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so it is so important that we are recognizing the signs, that we are getting the right assessments done on our children. There are so many children that um, possibly have additional um, defiant disorder, they may have ADHD, they may have autism, they may have all these things. It acts out in different ways, especially just looking at violence and anger, mm -hmm. right? And so, my suggestion is that again we are pulling all the necessary entities together right our teachers the way we are retraining retraining our teachers because school now and school 100 years ago are two different things you understand mm -hmm. and so our teachers might have to be retrained our guidance counselors may have to be retrained our principals may have to be retrained so that we can now identify clues. And instead of quickly labeling our students, get the right assessments done so we can see exactly what is going on with them. Because if we can get the assessments done, then we can get treatment. All right, so that's that's what I would say about that. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Um, in your uh, contribution as well, you spoke about the the video. I saw part of the video as well mm -hmm. for, the, for the topic. But I wanted to understand, yes, the girl was the main perpetrator. But in terms of tutors positioning, uh, Ms. Huggins, how do we treat with the other students who were in the classroom? Because clearly you could have seen a few egging her on. They had a few who were recording the the um, incident. Well, at least it was one student. I, it it seems as though it was a student who would have been doing the recording. Mm -hmm. um, that again will have to be. It will depend on the discipline matrix of the school how they decide to treat with with that. Now the main perpetrator is the student who would have been expelled, unfortunately. Right. Um, each school is supposed to develop what we call a discipline matrix, mm -hmm. and depending on the infraction, you have a. a reasonable and suitable I don't like to use the word punishment but um, mm -hmm. response to that right um, I don't know I can't speak for this specific school with regard to what their discipline matrix would entail but it seems as though and I'm talking from the perspective as a dean now mm -hmm. right it seems mm -hmm. as though the, that particular class in question may be a trouble class mm -hmm. so what will have to happen at least in my experience if I recognize if I'm a dean and I recognize one of the form classes in my deanship seems to be a little problem problematic. I will now have to sit with the form teachers of the level um, and possibly student support services personnel on the compound, which would be the guidance officer and the social worker, and develop a strategy for that group of students. Mm -hmm. What is the intervention strategy we would hope to, to um, achieve? To, to achieve mm -hmm. What we are looking to achieve in terms of um, improving the response or improving the behavior, improving the performance of the class. So it will be looking at not just their academics, but also their social behavior. Um, and then sometimes, depending on the kind of relationships you have with parents, you may have some parents who are professor, professionals, um, psychologists, they may be in the military or whatever, who may want to also contribute to helping with that group of students. Mm -hmm. Now, that is what I would have done at the at the level of the school that I was at, and I know of other teachers or deans who would have done the same. I can only speak from my experience, but I think that is a, a fairly good approach, especially mm -hmm. if you have good rapport with 
um, your guidance officer and your, because they are trained specifically to, to deal with deal those with kinds those things, of things, yeah. right? So if you recognize there's a problem or there's a burgeoning problem, you identify, right, this class, class X, seems to have a lot of the troublemakers there. What are we going to do with these children? Mm-hmm. Are we going to do develop a program um, of workshops, of, of activities that will guide them away from the, the deviant, the deviant the, behavior, yeah, in quotation, in quotation marks, quotation marks yes. right? that will guide them away from that. Let's find out what is going on with them mm-hmm. and develop a strategy. It takes time and it's work, mm-hmm. right? And I know a lot of people depending on because of the demands of the job sometimes it's difficult but if you really want to help the children you will try as best as possible if you can't do it you bring people from outside so let's say all right i would like to develop this talk with your form teachers yes miss is a good idea yes it is a good idea mm-hmm. and then you reach out to whatever external parties of course within the guidelines and the framework that the ministry of education gives to us mm-hmm. and you try to find a way to, to to reach those children well i i'm glad you brought up the ministry of education i wanted to find out from you what do you think is the missing link in those discussions because i'm sure that she looks like a, a higher form uh, student. She, I, from what I gather from the reading, she seems that she's in upper school, maybe form four or five. Right. So which means that she entered. Well, I don't want to say if she ex- exhibited those um, behaviors from form one. Well, we don't know. I mean that we right. can't, we can't tell all of that from the video. But what I can tell you from experience, a child will not explode just like that. Mm-hmm. It takes a series of things, and as the the young lady you spoke about um, spoke before me. You have children who would be exhibiting things because things are happening in the background that you're unaware of. Oh, unaware, right? Yeah. So it, sometimes it takes peeling back the layers to find out. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what the school. I'm, I'm not going to indict the school in that way. I don't know what intervention strategies the school may have tried. They may have tried, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know. Um, but let's let's talk generally then. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the missing link in the discussion in dealing with situations like these? Because this is a, a seem to be like a perennial problem. That 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 is a multi. That mm-hmm. that 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 answer is a very deep answer. The question is a deep question that requires um, significant thought, and it also it, it it involves certain things. It involves a lot of things. It involves sometimes the disconnect between. Um, the Ministry of Education and what their philosophy is or what their what their ideals are and what is the reality at the schools. There is a disconnect mm-hmm. there because sometimes you, you, you get instructions from the Ministry of Education to do X and Z, but this is not what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Something different it doesn't is happening. Apply. It doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. And then we don't, because of all of the laws that govern our practice as teachers, it's not just the Education Act. We have the Children's Act, Sexual Offences Act, Criminal, um, you know, Criminal Offences Act, um, ch- Judges' Rules. There are all kinds of things that sometimes tie the hands mm-hmm. of administrators and teachers in terms of dealing immediately with things. You have to go through a process. So sometimes it would seem as though the school is not doing anything, but it's not that. The school is doing what they are legally required to do. And sometimes we may go beyond that by looking at the intervention strategies that we may try mm-hmm. that, of course, must line up with... The, the rules that we are functioning with, within. And so. I, 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 I'm glad we brought that up because sometimes the people on the outside looking in... They wouldn't see all of that. The question would be, so yeah. why are they doing nothing about it? Yeah, What's they happening? See, they wouldn't see all of that because yeah. they don't, they're not aware. It's only sometimes when you, when you start to go into all of the things that apply to the teacher's practice and mm-hmm. what they are re- required to do and what they're expected to do. And it's like, wait, is all of that? It's like, yeah, it's not mm-hmm. just simple. You go in the class and say, hey, one plus one is two. Mm-hmm. Or you just tell the child, don't do that and you move on. You have a whole series of things that impact on your your job. And if it is you, you may find yourself 
not following any one of those steps, you could be liable for, for disciplinary action for those mm-hmm. things. So you have to, all of those things are considerations, which is why many teachers just withdraw because mm-hmm. they recognize, you know, even if I try to get involved, I could get sanctioned for something because I just decided to help a child or decide to defuse a situation. Mm-hmm. It's like fights in school. Mm-hmm. Many teachers just don't get involved because they don't want to get hurt. The, there was another video circulating about a teacher getting injured, trying to, to, to trying part to a fight. Part a fight. Yes. I would have part many fights in my time because I just wanted to quell mm-hmm. the situation and not let it get out of control. I could have gotten hurt because mm-hmm. in many cases, sometimes it was boys. You mm-hmm. know, so it, 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 there are many things that you have to consider and it's a calculated risk that the, that the individual takes when they decide to get involved and how they choose to get involved. But you always have to bear in mind that they are um, there are all kinds of considerations that you have to take in you know take into account mm-hmm. when you have to make these kinds of decisions. And Mrs. Boxhill Dunkley, what uh, your perspective on the regional side? All right, so I, I want to agree. You know that indeed clear policies need to be put in place. Uh, I think whichever um, Ministry of Education in whichever um, island in the Caribbean, I think that is probably one of the, the main things. And so as, you know, um, Sigin said that sometimes, you know, one thing is said on paper and then, you know, the action, you know, is different. So, and for, for a particular school, it might be different things that are followed depending on what they, um, their plan is and so on. And it can be, it can be a, a difficult situation, mm-hmm. you know, for someone, I am, I rule as guidance counselor, we also, we would have um, our directives in terms of how we, we deal with certain things, you know. And so I think in, in the Jamaica setting, though, uh, maybe we're a little more fortunate because um, I hear you talk about guidance officer, and I, I get to understand that one guidance officer may be um, there to serve different schools. But in Jamaica, we have um, guidance counselors mm-hmm. in the school. We, we're seeking so the change out in Trinidad now, so it's not just. Depending on the number of students that you have. Mm-hmm. Right, so that is, a, I think, an advantage for us. Even at times, we think it's not enough because right now in my school, it's more than 500. There are two of us, and so it's more than 500 students to, to each of us. But you know, I think that needs to be, you know, something that is clear, where the the, the ministry outlines things that would um, be there to affect in the different situations and be there to to direct each, you know, stakeholder. So the teacher knows exactly what the guidance counselor, you know, and even for the student that there are clear um, things that are outlined, you know, in terms of even consequences and so on. And so as, you know, I didn't see the video, but, you know, as, you know, I heard, and I I think it's so true that obviously there are things that were happening, Mm -hmm. right? And so again, I'm going to say in my situation, I think we have an advantage because um, the guidance counselors are mostly, trained counseling psychologists, they're persons who have specific training. And so we can identify a lot of things based on what we see. And so the advantage too is that teachers know that, okay, certain things are happening, let me refer you to the guidance counselor. So that really helps, you know, and then, you know, so if you see even from as young as grade seven, a child might be cutting and, you know, which is a popular thing now for students, 
And so we can, you know, intervene at that point. And obviously that is a sign of something else that's happening. You, you mean, abuse do you mean, like sorry to interrupt, but do you mean cutting classes or? No, cutting, as in cutting. risk cutting. No, that's no, what she's talking cutting, about, risk cutting. self-harm. Self oh, okay. Yeah. Self-harm. That's a very real thing. Right. Yeah? So, it's a very real thing and a very put yes, it, it's very so, prevalent throughout the system. Hmm. Yes, right. please continue. And so, you know, things like that obviously will, will point to something. And even a child that may not participate in class at all, you know, so the teacher who is, um, you know, picking up those cues can also help in terms of taking a certain and say, okay, you know, let me refer you to the counselor because I feel something is not right. And so that happens, you know, sometimes. And so we do catch, you know, some of those situations that are happening and, you know, are able to intervene. If we can't deal with it internally, we can refer the places that we can refer the students to. And, you know, so I think in that sense, the, the support system to some extent for Jamaica um, is, is not bad. It could be much better, you know, mm -hmm. and so that really helps because, you know, sometimes the teacher really doesn't know where to turn or what to do. And as you know, it was said, they don't want to get themselves into a situation where they are facing an illegal. Mm. This, is, this is so much information for me coming in. I, I didn't realize no, honestly, you, you like I, I, I can admit I've been one of those um, parents uh, looking on the outside and saying, why don't they deal with this particular student? Because there was one student in my daughter's class that used to irritate and, you know, constantly disrupt the class and constantly pick on her and other students. And I, I, at one point in time, I had to ask the teacher, when you're going to deal with this student? When, when are you going to expel this student? Not understanding that there are so many processes. Many layers, many layers that you, you have know? to go through. And right. the teacher said to me, listen, I myself want to deal with this in, in a particular way, but I can't. And there are many things that we have to you know, try before we get to that, that point. end stage. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm I'm glad that we're having this conversation. So so some uh, listeners and parents out there can understand the the stress that teachers go under every single day. Well, not just the teachers, uh, it's everybody on the compound because mm -hmm. really and truly, even though teachers are, you know, they, they, they apply the duty of care to teachers, um, everybody who is on the compound, civil service staff, ancillary staff, MTS security, everybody is responsible for the children while they're there. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 it's stressful when things like this happen. It doesn't just stress out the teachers. It also affects all the members of staff. So let's say, for instance, with that particular child, when that child is pulled out of the classroom, is into the office, they have to go, they have to deal with civil service staff down there before they get to the principal's office. Mm -hmm. They may have to deal with a security officer. Th that affects everybody there. So mm -hmm. it's not, the stress is not just on the teacher. The teacher would probably would be at the brunt of it. But there's everyone who is on the compound and sometimes you would take a hands-off approach because you don't know how the system will sanction you if it is anything goes wrong. So We touched briefly on mental health issues as it coincides with dealing with the breakdown in discipline. I want to bring in Ms. Petgrave here. Do you have any comments or, or solutions or guidance for us here in Trinidad as to how to deal with that? I know that you said early detection is a plus. Um, yes, and I'm, I'm glad that um, the other two speakers spoke about the fact that teachers in their school systems are told to 
to refer to refer to the guidance counselor um you know when they see maladaptive behaviors within the children and so that's where we first have to start one of the things that i see that is missing however um from our systems is a proper assessment so it's it's you know you go to the medical doctor and you tell them your symptoms and they can quickly give you some medication for that now it's a little bit different when it comes to mental health and so if you don't have the right assessment tools you're unable to diagnose effectively so that you can better treat these children uh, within our school system because you know they may make up 20 percent of our population but i guarantee you that they are 100 percent of our future so if we are not intentional about the future they are going to have from now what kind of future will we have you know and then if i could just give um just some basic things that i have been doing and that has been working extremely well with uh with the students that i get to interact with in the at the primary level now you know as 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 educators and as psychologists we don't really get to affect school policies at the school board levels and so i do understand the protocols but when i talk to teachers i say to them okay what can you do at your level that is not going to cause any havoc any form of you know problems and so in jamaica we have been dealing with a lot of missing children okay and so you hear that this little girl is missing this little girl is missing and i'm thinking okay where are they who is taking them what is happening now there is a rise in human trafficking especially sexual sexual trafficking and that's where unfortunately many of our little girls who have been gone missing are involved they're taken and they're now involved in human trafficking now how do i um, affect those things. So what I do when I'm with these children, I do little activities like stranger danger. So I'm not teaching them about human trafficking, it's a social problem, but I'm teaching them about who's a good stranger, who's a, you know, who's a bad stranger, what is a safe space, what is not a safe space. And I don't know how much of this is in the curriculum, but these are little things. I make it fun and, you know, I create things that they have to draw and they're coloring and we're talking about these things, right? Um, good touch, bad touch. Do you know that only one in 10 cases of molestation and rape has been has been reported? So when you look at how many little little girls and boys that are living in homes that they are being abused, whether it's physical, whether, whether it's sexual, there's so many of them, but you don't know that because the behaviors is showing out in something else. And so I tell teacher, do you talk to your kids about good touch and bad touch? Because chances are, if they're learning from the primary level about these things, maybe we can prevent some stuff because then little Jane will know that she needs to fight for her life when somebody tried to touch her in her private places. And she might know that it's okay to tell a safe person, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just right now, man, it's about becoming innovative with um, with every, every skill that we have. So within the school system, and I know there's so much already on teachers. There's so much responsibility on teachers, but the fact of the matter is that teachers spend more time with many children than their parents do and so i would just continue to encourage our teachers just to look look at what is happening in the society look at what the social problems are and how can you integrate 
um, preventative measures for those social problems within your curriculums so that you know you're not getting in trouble to expel anybody or anything like that but at least we're trying to prevent some of these problems thank you so much mrs petgrave and miss boxel dunkley any last comments yes you know um really and truly as you know she said the, the issue of the missing children and so on and the human trafficking all of that seems sometimes like it's something so far away but it really is affecting some of our children and in terms of training i i, I was very fortunate to go through some very um intensive training mm -hmm. um, for guidance counselors to deal with child trafficking you know because it's such a problem that um and we see where it is going to become a bigger problem and so it's so important you know um we have a subject called health and family life education, which is one of those subjects that the, the children, they're exposed to all of those things that she said where, and this is at the secondary level for me, so from first form to, you know, um, third form, let's say, mm -hmm. and so they, they get to understand about all of that, that, you know, they, their body, you know, there's a response that they have, and that, you know, they can talk when things, you know, have happened, and and so on, because a lot of times they are threatened. And I'm talking in the older ones, they are threatened. And so they are afraid to share what's happening. You know, but through, you know, those types of classes and so a lot of them, you know, open up, right? But it really is something that, you know, as she said, we have to look at ways, put new things in place. You know, times have changed drastically. Many years ago, the, the thought of, you know, somebody taking away a child and, you know, taking them to a different country, you know, as a, a sex worker. And I was like, you, you wouldn't even think of that, mm -hmm. you know, but now it's something that can happen just like that, you know. And so we have to make our children aware. We have to make our parents aware because a lot of the parents are not aware that some of these things can happen. And so they have, you know, they, they don't I, I want they don't monitor the children, you know, as they should. They just say, OK, they, they're old enough now and so they can, you know, do whatever. But, you know, so a lot of that. You know needs to come back to i guess like olden times you know where you, you you really monitor and you you know where your child is and you know things like that okay and again so it takes everyone right it takes everyone so it's not just the teachers it's as you know was said everyone has a part and if we all you know try and work together it's not a, something that we're going to get rid of right away but i think that we can really make a dent in what's happening if everybody sees that they are part of the solution Thank you so much for your contribution. Uh, Ms. Huggins, any closing remarks? Uh, slightly, what would be your wish list moving forward to dealing with kids uh, who act out like this? What, what does tutor need to, to cover this problem? Um, it, or at least put a dent in it. Uh, maybe a dent, maybe a scratch, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the, the, we have to be those the technocrats that make the decisions or create the policy have to be mindful of what really is happening on the ground sometimes we sit in offices and we we say well, all right we think that this is what needs to happen but if we're not out there and we're not seeing what is happening then it's challenging to actually come up with those policies mm -hmm. listen to the persons who are the practitioners on the ground the teacher is the one in the classroom who is interfacing with the children all the time. Listen to us. Many times, sometimes we feel like our voices are not heard. And the way our system is, now I can come here and speak publicly, mm -hmm. but you can't interview a teacher because the laws prevent a teacher from 
publicly speaking about anything that is happening in the system. So I'm not saying to change the laws, but I'm saying listen to listen to us. Mm-hmm. We are in the classroom. We have practitioners there. You have school supervisors, curriculum officers, persons who are operating at different within different levels of the system who see what is happening on the ground every day. Listen to us and get recommendations for uh, from us. Right? Mm-hmm. Give us a little. Um, space or a little room uh, or give us the support that we need. I see that the ministry is trying. They are, the, the attempt has been made and in most secondary schools now you would have student support personnel there. Before mm-hmm. you would have had one guidance officer being shared among schools. Now they're making the attempt to have either guidance officers or guidance counselors depending on how they are hired um, at each school. In some schools, these at-risk schools, you may need to have more than one person there. So the ministry and the state has to be prepared to spend the money. Mm. I know the money issue in many cases with the implementation of these programs is money, but they must be willing to spend. If it is we want to save our children and save the future generations that are coming up, we must be willing to invest in that. Spend the resource, have the resources available, spend the money that will allow... Um, teachers, guidance officers, principals, and all the practitioners, all the stakeholders in the system to be able to really help these children. Mm -hmm. Because the way the system is, the kinds of demands that are placed on teachers, we are expected to be everything in the classroom, and that's a societal expectation. It's also the system's expectation. And a very exhausting expectation as well. An unrealistic one too, Mm -hmm. because you only have six hours in a day. How much can one teacher do in six hours? And for the secondary school teacher, you may, depending on the subject that you teach, you may deal literally with hundreds of children a day mm-hmm. because you are going from class to class and each class is about 30, 35 in some cases in bigger schools it might be more children so when you go through your day you may not have all of your sessions in a day with uh, with classes but you may have a form class or if you're if you're operating in middle management you have uh, other responsibilities you're dealing with hundreds of children mm-hmm. you don't there's, there literally isn't the time to do all of that so and to focus on you, the kids yeah. Find, find a way to get the resources to the practitioners who can help the children. And from a parent's perspective, I would like to address the parents now. You've heard what the teachers have to deal with. I wanted a representative representative from the National PTA Association to be here as well to give the side of the parents. I think we definitely need to be more involved in the uh, knowing what happens in schools with our children. Um, remember, I don't want to show off my age too much, but remember, <laughs> long time there was a, a ad says at 10 o'clock, do you know where your children, children are? are? You know, we need to get back to that. Talk to them more. And if you realize that they may not talk to you, as you say, find a guidance counselor or someone who they will speak to because... As uh, Ms. Petgrave said, as everybody has said, this is our future that we are staring at. And know what, know what they're doing too, know what they're engaging in on social media and all of that, know yep. what they're about. Yeah, and take the phone and, and find out. Mm-hmm. My, my daughter had to deal with that. I mean, as upset as she would be sometimes, yes. you know, it is. It was sometimes necessary. necessary. It was it necessary. Is. Yes. I want to thank you, ladies, for joining us here at Freedom One Hundred Six Point Five FM and giving us the insight as to, you know, how to deal with issues like these and some of the solutions that are put forward. And I hope that we can speak again and and chat again and see, you know, do like an update check how far we've come. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Have a blessed day, everyone. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. me All right, so we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we've got news at the top of the hour coming in 15 minutes. This is Freedom 106.5 FM. 
The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.